0: Welcome back to the second podcast of our Participate in Christ sermon series. I'm Dan Rambeck, one of the elders at City on a Hill Church located in Rosemount, Minnesota. Our service is live streamed every Sunday at
1: 10 a.m. from our YouTube channel. Join us as Bruce Bentley continues our series with a sermon titled Discipleship. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, everybody. Glad that you're here this morning. I'm also glad that we don't have eight inches of snow flying around outside. It was fairly easy, I hope, for you to make it to church this morning. Uh, We are in a short series that we're calling to participate or participating in Christ. Uh, We are now in a couple weeks into it. Last week, we looked at fasting, uh, some different disciplines, if you will, of how to engage in. Being a believer or a follower uh, that uh, are more than just theory, more than just intellectual understanding, more than just an assent to a certain idea, but actually participating in uh, a relationship with Christ. We're all in a different place in the journey. That's why there's a little map thing on the screen. Uh, So I hope that wherever you're at in your journey, in discovering more about Christ, understanding your relationship with Him, that you can find a place here in this series and plug right in. So last week we started with fasting uh, that is uh, maybe one of the toughest or maybe the toughest subject to approach in this whole series because it's pretty foreign to a lot of us. Uh, So I started with that one first. Uh, One of the questions that we had, we had a little insert, if you remember a couple weeks ago, actually for a couple of weeks, to, to try to get some input from everybody in the church regarding these things uh, uh, so that uh, we can learn from each other and get some input from each other on these topics. One of the questions was, how do I tune out the world so I can focus on my walk with Christ? When, and I chose to highlight that this morning because I think that's a pretty familiar question to a lot of us. Uh, there's so much going on. You know, Some of it may be temptation or sin, some of it may be you know, neutral things, things that we have to do, things that keep us busy. How do I tune out, uh, the question is, so I can focus on my walk with Christ. So I'm not repeating last week, it's all online or podcast, whatever, but uh, the easy, simple answer to that question is fasting. Uh, whether it's food, like what we talked about last week, it doesn't have to be a food item, It could be an electronic item, it could be anything uh, that takes up time, put it aside for some time, for a few minutes even, uh, to devote some time to Christ, to pray, to read his word, to uh, uh, find yourself in him uh, is the bigger picture of it. So how do you tune out? Go on a fast. Uh, Try it out was the idea. So we encourage. And if you didn't hear it uh, this past week, uh, the bigger challenge was for everybody to consider fasting from something, even if it's just once. If you've never done it before and that sounds intimidating, I like food, uh, I don't want to go out with food, uh, don't tell me to stop eating or whatever. If that's where you're at, I'm, that's fine. You don't have to uh, go crazy over the top and, and shoot for a goal that you're not going to do anyway. You can just pick one thing once. That's the challenge. Do something uh, before or during this time leading up to next week when we, uh, when we have our uh, all-church meeting, uh, which is going to be here in this building, and we're going to have a dinner together and break that fast, if you will. So if you're fasting from food, then that makes more sense, I guess. Uh, but if you're fasting from something else, well, we're still going to eat uh, as a part of that meeting. So anyway, that is next Sunday night. And we're trying to get an idea. It's a a simple, light dinner, lunchy kind of thing. So we're trying to get an idea on how many people we're going to feed. So we need your feedback if you haven't already. Some people gave it on Facebook, but uh, info at mycityandhehill.org is another way you can give us some feedback so we know how much food to get. So anyway, that was this past week. This week, we're talking about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? So when you hear that word... Discipleship or being a disciple. Uh, I'm wondering what comes to mind. Uh, is it a negative thought? Is it a uh, neutral thought? Is it something positive? Uh, somebody tell me why this isn't working again. It's on. I promise you. <laughs> there we go. Is that you or me? All right. Well, that's good. Thank you for for covering my back. Okay. Discipleship of being a disciple. So. Uh, growing up in church, we didn't do discipleship. Uh, I, you know, thinking back, looking back, I don't know why. But my church experience, I grew up in the church. If the door was unlocked, we were inside of it, and we were there all the time. Uh, but the church experience, a Christian experience growing up was, well, basically kind of limited to what we have here. Uh, you didn't do the other stuff. Then I went to a Christian college and discipleship was something that you had to do. You had to get into, involved in a discipleship-discipling relationship. Uh, that was a box you had to check off as a freshman. So immediately, I had a negative response. Why? Because I had to do it. Anybody like me? <laughs> you, even though there might be something good in, in you know, requiring me to do it, but because I had to do it, there's something that twists in me and says, okay, fine. Uh, I'll, I'll gut my way through this because I have to do it. So, uh, you know, my experiences have been either neutral or negative. So great. Why am I even talking about this? Well, fortunately for you this morning, it's not just me. So in just a few minutes, Emily Wernes is going to come up. and We're going to have a little dialogue here and talk more in depth about discipleship. So what I want to do uh, in the next five minutes or so is give us a basic understanding of what's going on in Scripture, and then we're going to move from there. Disciple, or or being a disciple, uh, comes from this Greek word, mathetes, and there's different um, forms of the word, and it's translated in different ways, but basically, when we read disciple in the Bible, it comes from that word, and it basically means learner. To be learning something is a Disciple. So, in its very uh, in its most simple, informal sense of the word, it just means to learn to learn something. A disciple is somebody who is learning now, in a more formal sense, the Pharisees had disciples, John the Baptist had disciples, Jesus had disciples as well as other rabbis in In Bible times, they all had their disciples, so that was more of a formal experience. You know, this is my group of disciples, a rabbi could say, or a Pharisee could say, or somebody else. So that's going on, but there there are very distinct differences that we see in the Gospels and how Jesus formed his group of disciples and what he did with them and how he taught them. Very distinctly different than other schools of thought or other teachers and their disciples. So just a couple points real quick. One very distinct difference is Jesus chose his disciples. Now that's different because rabbis and other religious leaders or teachers, uh, they were out there and uh, those who wanted to learn from them, go to their school so to speak, they would choose the, the teacher, the rabbi that they wanted. And then we see in the Gospels, Jesus identified different guys in different walks of life, which is also pretty weird, because uh, they weren't necessarily in the place in life where they were, they were seeking out a, a uh, teacher or a leader. In fact, it was quite the opposite. They were from all sorts of different walks of life, backgrounds, uh, jobs, careers, if you will, uh, doing their thing, and then Jesus comes on the scene. And in the gospel narrative, we see in different places Jesus calls out these individuals and, uh, and basically says, I want you to follow me. You're going to follow me. I'm going to do something in your life. Make something out of your life uh, that you weren't looking for. That you weren't anticipating. So it's very different than what everybody was used to. Jesus went out and said, you're mine. I choose you to begin following me very different than what anybody else is used to. So you got to read, you got to understand that as you read the Gospels. What he's doing is, is strange. It's odd uh, that he would break into somebody's life and kind of put them on the spot there. And not even, not even the, the kind of people that you would expect a religious leader or a rabbi at the time to choose. He wouldn't, like a guy like Matthew, who certainly isn't a standout follower, uh, a standout Jewish guy, uh, somebody that you would think, oh, here's, here's the beginning of the rest of the church uh, the kind of guy. You would not look at Matthew or any of these guys, really, to see the kind of uh, beginning that Jesus was making in their lives. So that's very different. And also what Jesus calls them to do. So if you were a part of a traditional school, uh, you had a rabbi, and uh, you chose a particular rabbi to learn uh, in the next step of your growth as a person, as a probably as a young adult, uh, you'd go through uh, their curriculum, if you will, what it is that they do, their school of thought, you'd go through uh, th- their approach, and then you're done. You get the basic information and you go on your way. You're a graduate. Uh, not that different than maybe a lot of you know, learning experiences today. Jesus' approach to what he was about in this uh, discipleship process was radically different than just come and learn something and go your way. Jesus took these guys who weren't even looking for him, he chose them, He calls them to become a learner, and then that begins this process throughout the Gospels. You know, that's something I never saw, I never realized uh, when I was younger and I was beginning to read the the Bible, beginning to read the Gospels. My assumption is that looking at the text, looking at these stories, that these guys instantly became these these instant, educated, uh, deep learning, heart-invested uh, followers, learners of Jesus. Uh, I don't know why I did that. I, I was ignorant. Uh, I just made all these assumptions uh, that they, maybe I do that with, a, or at least I used to do that with a lot of different individuals in Scripture. They just instantly became something, right? And they, <laughs> the disciples were not that. Jesus calls them from all the radically different backgrounds, walks of life, uh, understandings. And then we see this process through the Gospels that Jesus, as he teaches, when there's formal times, you sit down and he teaches and they learn. But there are all these informal times that involved parables and involved the miraculous things that Jesus did that they are called in to follow along with as these things are happening. So, much more that Jesus is doing as they're learning, as they're going. So, it's interesting that the Great Commission, everybody quotes Matthew, uh, the end of book, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, to go and make disciples. Uh, the, the, the way the text reads, the way Jesus says that, is the exact same thing that Jesus did to his disciples for two or three years. As you are going, go and make more learners. You spent two or three, whatever it is, years with me that as we were going all over Palestine, all over Judea and then up into Samaria around the Sea of Galilee and then back and forth and then finally in Jerusalem, uh, as, you're, as they were going following Jesus, Jesus was making them into something else. And Jesus says, you go, now you've seen it, you go do the same thing as you're going Make more learners and followers. And not just intellectual learners. You don't just, you know, arrive at a certain place. You continue to learn. And as you continue to learn, what happens? Not not only do you uh, intellectually understand more, but your heart begins to change because Jesus is changing you. And you begin to, as he leads you on, begin to understand in in a deeper way what he's actually calling you into, which is far more than an intellectual understanding of who he is uh, or things that he's taught you or, or grasping certain doctrines is to give all of you, all of your life. So this is what we looked at uh, a few, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago when we went through the book of Mark. Uh, this is at a point where the disciples have already been learning. They've already been following Jesus. And we come to this point that uh, they're on their way Towards Jerusalem and the final passion week. And as they're going, Jesus calls to the crowd, calls the crowd to him with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone would come after me, in other words, if you want to keep learning, if you want to keep following, then here's the deal. It's far more than just understanding something. It's going to cost you everything. Let him deny himself, he says, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So this isn't the teaching right away. The disciples have had a lot of time to learn to be around Jesus at this point, and this is the next step in their journey. As we go to Jerusalem, this is where I'm going. Will you still go with me? Now that's a hard teaching, right? So again, not at the beginning of their learning, but it was a part of their learning that they had to then be confronted with. Will I follow Jesus to that extent? Will I keep learning of all that it will cost me personally. Will I actually trust Jesus with my life? So far more than just hearing and learning, it's the heart. It's, it's all of me. Will I give Jesus everything to keep learning and keep following? That's where he takes the disciples, and that's where he takes us. So, as I have learned a couple things in my life and being in different churches and interacting with different Christians or followers or disciples, whatever it is you call yourself, if you call yourself one of those things this morning, here are some things that I've picked up over time and talking with people and and getting a little bit deeper with people, especially in ministry. Some people think when they hear the word disciple or discipleship, it's got to be complicated or else it's not really discipleship. I'm not learning unless it's at a level that uh, seems, I don't know, difficult or impressive, uh, impressive to other people, perhaps, uh, and, and very hard. So some people demand that while other people want to run away from it, okay? It will take too much of my time. Uh, that, it's, it's, I'm, I'm way too busy Uh, The demands of disciples, when I hear the word being a disciple of discipleship, there's no way I can fit that into my life right now. Okay? Another one, it's for others who are more spiritual. Uh, That was what I believed when I was younger. Maybe you've been at that place too. Uh, That's something kind of reserved for those who are at a different level than me. Uh, They like that stuff. They get into deeper things than I do. Uh, So that's yeah, for them and really not for me. So therefore, I really don't, I'm not motivated to make more time. And another thing I've heard a lot, it may not vocalized a lot, uh, but I've been around people long enough to, to kind of pick up at least on, on this idea that I really don't need to be discipled. Maybe it's kind of a combo of other, the other things, but it does come across. Uh, I've, I've got what I need. I come to church... When it fits in my schedule, uh, and uh, I do some other things that are part of church, I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm good with that. And, add to that, there is a point in my life where uh, I, I made a confession of faith, a profession of, you know, I, I said I'm a Christian, and I said certain things, I said in prayer, and, and so I'm good. I've got what I need, and I don't really need to do anything more. I'm good. So, thanks, but but no thanks. So, and we could add to the list, but you get the idea. There are, there are misconceptions, there are some confusing messages, there are some things that, that maybe all of us could pinpoint uh, in, our, in our past or maybe in our present that fog up and confuse what discipleship is about and whether or not we need it. So, let's move forward here. Here's where we want to be. Uh, in a in a longer term, maybe in a visionary way, or where we want to continue going as a church and a, as a body of believers, learners, followers, disciples. If there's if there's two things I really want to stress before we move on with our dialogue, are the, they're the first two things. There, number one, uh, very similar to how Jesus chose his first learner disciples. Jesus chose you. If you are a Christian follower, if you've come to a point somewhere where I want to, I've acknowledged my sin, and I know I need a Savior, and so Jesus, I trust you, I follow you, then then in a very real spiritual way, that was a time, that was a turning point, that was a moment, just like with Jesus and the first disciples, where Jesus says, I choose you, come follow me. So sometimes we get kind of confused and we turn the tables on Jesus a little bit. And, and even in modern evangelical thinking, we've kind of turned the tables because we tend to think, I chose Jesus, flat and simple. You know, it's, it's really up to, to me. Well, yeah, in some ways you did. There comes a point where you acknowledge a need for a Savior. Uh, you know that, that God can forgive you. You know that he has what you need, you can't be your own God anymore. Tried it, didn't work. So yeah, there's that. But the more you learn about the process of, of, of being a disciple, the more you learn from Scripture, it really is more like what Jesus did with the disciples. That at that moment where you begin, the light comes on, the, the, the flip switched on, whatever, in your mind, in your heart, you begin to realize what's going on. What's actually taking place is Jesus chose you. And you've, you've just begun to realize it. So just like he chose the early believers, Jesus chose you to, number two, embrace and become a part of a learning process that never ends. That just like disciples, over time, they weren't instant know-it-alls, they weren't instantly Fully committed followers. They didn't grasp every truth fully, completely. They still had struggles. They still had times of doubt. Uh, You can read about all that in the Gospels. The process begins, but it never ends. We start to learn, and that moves us forward on into eternity. That's what it means to be a learner, a follower, a disciple. So if you've come to, or if, if you have... In the past or even in the, even in the present, if, if you kind of came to a point where I've kind of learned enough, I'm good, I'm good, <laughs> I, I, I've got all I need for spiritual stuff, and I'll do the other things, but then this is time to wake up. This is the wake-up call this morning, that a, a disciple, a follower, is a learner, and we want the culture of our church to embrace that and to be a part of that. To see yourself as an ongoing, active, involved learner. So, where it's, we want the culture to also reflect this idea where it's natural or becoming natural to seek out another believer, <laughs> excuse me, who can help you take your next step learning more about yourself and Christ, that uh, wherever you're at, wherever somebody else is at that comes in the door, uh, doesn't matter. The past doesn't matter. You got a question. You got a concern. You got a desire to fit in and to plug in and to learn more to become a follower, disciple. Then great. This is the right place. We want that culture to continue to grow, and uh, a culture where growing believers and learners are available and ready to help others learn. So, for this process, this culture to really uh, sink in deeper and to really be effective then it can't be just about the professional Christian. Okay? Uh, I can't do all of that. And that really isn't what the Bible says a pastor is supposed to do. Do you ever know that? Uh, You ever see that or read that? That's what Paul tells the Philippians. Uh, the, The point of a shepherd, pastor, teacher is for the equipping of the saints. That everybody can be functioning, a part of the body, the gifts that you've been given, the passion that God has put in your heart, so that you do that. I have failed if this church doesn't produce more disciples who are then helping others learn, who then in turn grow in their faith and understanding and then help others learn, and so on and so forth. Discovering their skills, discovering their gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them, and then implementing, putting them into action functioning as a body of Christ. That's what I'm supposed to do. If all I do is stand up here and yammer on for a half an hour and bore everyone to tears and then you go away feeling better that you survived it, then I have failed. Put a big fat F on my face. If that's all I accomplish in my life, I've failed. We've got to be a culture of growing people who grow other people who grow other people. Does that make sense? That's where I've got to be That's where we need to be. That's the culture that we want to continue to help grow. So, some comments that you guys wrote down over the last couple weeks regarding discipleship. Um, From discipling, some women I have found that that we grow a deeper relationship not only with each other but with God. That doesn't sound very fancy. Doesn't sound very complicated. But that's something that one of you, I'm assuming a woman, wrote down and how you've discovered something really great about being discipled. Disciple making is the key to the kingdom. Being a disciple then, making disciples who make disciples, kind of what I was just talking about. I just really copied them. As a new Christian in college, I was really blessed by some women who poured into me. We're going to talk about this, Emily and I, just a little bit, in a little dialogue coming up here, uh, on the significance, the value of even those little things that we do uh, and the way that we make ourselves available with other people. First, someone said, get over your fear of the word discipleship. Learn to listen to someone, to come alongside, to pray with them using God's word, and together search God's word for what he has to say and give. His word never disappoints. I hope you've been there. I hope you're discovering something like what, uh, what that individual put. Okay, Emily, why don't you come on up? Uh, this is... This is radically new and different for us. We're going to sit on stools because that's uh, what we're going to do right now. And we're just going to be a little more casual in our discussion. Um, This is Emily Wernis, by the way.
0: Hello. Good morning. You see my face every week, so.
1: There she is. Uh, So we're going to have a little discussion here. Are you going to sit? Yes, I'm going to sit. Okay. I'm going to sit over here.
0: Okay.
1: So Emily, what comes to your mind I'm going to grab my coffee here. Okay. But you answer this. Yeah. What comes to your mind when you hear the word discipleship?
0: All right. So if you would have asked me that about 10 years ago, I picture like the studious environment, right? Like people just like pouring into the word and like this intellectual knowledge-based thing. Um, and just for like super um, holy, um, like theological seminary types, you know. Um, but since then, um, it has definitely shifted, and I would say if you ask me now, uh, what comes to my mind? Um, our faces. Um, Bruce immediately you come to mind, um, and just he was my youth pastor starting in seventh grade and walked me through all the teen angst years. Um, and you always were just like a presence, and always just even like checking in. Hey, did you have how's angsty going? years? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everyone? Yeah.
1: Thought probably.
0: So. Okay, that's good, but like I picture that when I was in college, there's this woman my senior year named Linda. She would meet me once a week um, through Navigator. She drove all the way over from Wisconsin just to meet me even for like 15-20 minutes before one of my classes. Half the time, sometimes I was late, but she showed up consistently just to be there and talk with me and challenge and pray with me during a time when I was confused about some things, dealing with some stupid friend groups, stupid boy, you know what I mean? Like she was just there. Um, every week, consistently, no matter what, even if I was late, like she was there. And even if I didn't have answers and I was being stupid, she was there. Um, And I picture um, Jackie, um, just like five years with that woman, like just life on life and just how she encouraged me, how she would challenge me, how she'd call me out and we'd just laugh and just enjoy life. I picture her, I mean, just all those conversations. I picture the faces of my youth group girls, some of whom have now gone out and graduated, but the things that they taught me about servant leadership have really stuck with me. And so then I also picture last year, Judy Sanga, you guys remember them, like this wise woman of peace who just, we had this consistent space to meet weekly and just talk about the hard things like to get into the word and be like questioning things and like there isn't an easy answer in this scenario, right? Um so I just picture faces okay. when I hear discipleship. And it's funny that each woman was a different piece and a different it looked different depending on the season I was in. And I feel like the Lord knew that and he knew what they needed as well in mm-hmm. that season. So
1: yeah. So one of the things we're or two of the things we're talking about. We're talking about uh, being discipled, and we're also talking about being a discipler, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we, you know, two things we hope to grow uh, in our church. And what I'm wondering is, because you've, you've crossed over from being discipled, mm-hmm. not a, not, you still do that, you still have people speaking into your life, yeah. but you're also a discipler, mm-hmm. so how did you know that you were getting ready or that you were ready to cross over and this is a big deal uh, because that's the commission we're called to make disciples uh, and intimidating, right? Uh, So Paul tells the Philippians to imitate me, the things that you've seen me do, the things that you've heard me teach about, do that with other people. So instantly when I hear that, whoa, I'd better not be a screw up, right, right? Or I think I am a screw-up. Uh, so how in the world do I, do I do that? Maybe you don't think I think that, but there are times that I think that. The, I know I'm the professional Christian, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm, I've arrived at a level that, what? I've succeeded in everything. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you jump right into, well, no, I'm not perfect? Uh, but yet to be a discipler to help other people learn, mm-hmm. they're learning from me, yeah. and I'm imperfect. Right. So yeah. help us understand how do you begin to get to that point where I'm I'm at a place where I can be a, di- a discipler.
0: Right. Well, I had to think about this one. Um, you this,
1: by the way, I forgot to give that to. Oh, yeah, the Look power right. is mine. Okay.
0: Um, but I think one of the things that really helped me with this, like, when are you ready? I mean remembering first and foremost, like what Bruce was just talking about, about how remembering that I am a disciple first, um, and that's ongoing, lifelong learning, and there's always things for me to be learning, so there's never some level that I'm going to arrive at, and then I know all the things, and I can teach all the things, like that's not what it's about, and so remembering that I'm constantly learning, I'm constantly making mistakes, I'm constantly failing, but like there's growth and learning through that, I think that helps me like look at someone else, Who is also learning? Who is also making mistakes? Who also does that? Because I think when I actually started sitting down and talking with whether it was someone discipling me or like talking to like a teenage girl, when they were like, hey, you know what? Um, Is God actually good? And I was like, wait, you've questioned this? Judy Sanga has asked, is God good? You know, it like opened this door and the relief is there and just like, wait, you too? You have asked the questions, you have doubted, and it's like, me too. And I think discipleship is so relational, and so in this sense, the C.S. Lewis quote that always comes to mind is just, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one who fill in the blank. And so I think that's very similar and ties into this. It's relational, right? At its core, it's life on life. So that was one thing, remembering I'm always ongoing. Then the other thing I would say, um, I was never ready. Like, I never had this aha moment that I have arrived, and I completed this, like, curriculum. I completed this thing. I'm not qualified in my head right now to be sitting up here speaking with you on discipleship, because, like, in my head, you know, all the stigma or the misconceptions. I never went to, like, seminary. I went to, like, UMD. We didn't have Bible classes. I didn't take Old New Testament survey. Like, what do I know about Greek? I know nothing about Greek. Like, there are just so many things I do not know. Um, and I mean, I never hit that point, you guys. Like, it didn't hit me that I am ready now. Let's go at it, right? Um, so where the rubber hit the road for me was um, a couple of years ago, a teenage girl reached out to me and just wanted to meet up and have coffee. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get coffee. So we're sitting there having coffee, and I'm just like, how are you? The tears just like exploded, and they just came, and she just started weeping, and her like her heart just broke in front of me. And she said, "Like I, I feel so alone, and I just want community. And I know Jesus, but like I, I don't know what this word is saying. I want this word to come alive to me, but it's not. I don't know how to get it. I don't know what to do. Help me." And I like looked at her, and I was like, "Oh, what do you do? You're literally breaking in front of me." Um. And so she asked me, like, then she just kept going. I just listened, and then she asked me, can you meet with me weekly? And, like, I stared at her inwardly, you guys. I was flipping out. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I literally don't know anything. Like, I'm going to, like, tell you something completely wrong that's, like, sacrilegious and I don't know. And I said, in my head, I'm like, I have so much I'm working out in my own faith and questioning in so many ways. Like, I am just, like, not ready But even with all those thoughts flooding in my mind, like what sticks out to me is just she was so honest. And if she could admit where she was at and she didn't have a clue and what was going on, vulnerability begets vulnerability, right? And so like I was inspired, convicted, encouraged, whatever word you want to use when she shared that with me. Then it came to a point where I was like, if you can admit that, I can admit it. I can admit I don't have it all together, nor will I ever have it all together. And so I think that's what shifted for me to help me realize, hey, I can do this. When she's sitting in front of me and, like, I can just give her my yes, even though I'm terrified, like, I'm going to say something wrong or do something wrong, it's not on me. All I had to do is take it one day at a time, one meeting at a time, trust the Father, trust the Word, trust the Spirit that He's going to speak. And it's not going to be pretty, it's going to be messy, but we'll take it one conversation, one verse, one question, one situation at a time, and we'll just roll with it. Um, so, so that kind of gets into the next question. Hard. So what does
1: it actually look like Yeah. if somebody comes up to you after service? Okay, that sounds cool. I, I, I think I'd like to do that because uh, you're excited about it, and I, maybe that's something I'm lacking, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So what can that look like?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, really meeting regularly face to face, you know, I think even just meeting once is fine, (laughs) you know, like get the conversation rolling. Um, But literally it was just not like three hours at a time, you know, five days a week, everyone fill in all the blanks and do all your homework. I mean, there were some things I did that were more intensive and guided, but it's just as simple as getting together, opening the word, opening a book and like talking about it.
1: So meeting, if I hear you right. You're saying just meeting once is okay?
0: Yeah. Ah, shocker.
1: Okay. Right. <laughs> All right. I, I think I can handle that. Yeah. So what resources, what what are the tools, what are the things that you have used, that, that you would use, maybe you'd recommend that others use?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I have done The Essentials by Discovery Ministry um, with Judy Singa. And there are several people in this very room amongst yourselves who have also done it. So it's great. It's more guided if you want something to, not like fill in the blank, homework, da-da-da, I did it, check the box. But like if you are more of a guided, I need to write, I need to process, that's a good tool. Um, This other one, PursueGod.org. Um, that is a series of different videos, conversation starters. They're like two minutes, and then they go through some scriptures and some questions following the videos. Those are great ways if you, like, I don't know how to get the conversation started with someone, but I have these things. That's a great way to start.
1: That's a wide variety of topics. Oh, my word. There's so many. Yeah.
0: so many. So many. Um, and then the other one is the Bible Project, which Bruce has talked about before. I find that helpful. It's like I'm going through a book of the Bible with someone, and, like, I don't know the big picture, or the big things, or the details, or, like, how do I bring this back to Jesus? Like, they do such a good do- job of summarizing okay. and helping guide that so we don't get lost in the details of maybe something I don't understand in the book. Okay. So that's a good one, too.
1: There, I mean, we are so blessed with resources that are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, we got to go down to the Christian bookstore and pick out a book because <laughs> there was no internet, you know? And now we're drowning in resources. Now, that doesn't mean they're all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great place to start. There are tons of other things to use, uh, to rely on, that are free. Mm-hmm. These are free things. There are other really good uh, tools that are free. So if you don't know, if, you know, do I trust this one or not, you can always ask around, and, yeah. and we can help with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you guide the conversations? Well, you gave us somewhat of an idea. Can Mm -hmm. you kind of focus that in?
0: Yeah. So sometimes as you start reading a book or a book of the Bible, you get in there and you are digging in and you start to get lost in the details. Like sometimes we lofty stay up here and those are good times to have that. Um, But two questions um, that I always come down to um, is to keep it simple, but it's not It's not dumbing it down. You're not taking away from the depth of the gospel or different things that the word speaks. But you just have to remember it's not like teacher expert, like imparting all this crazy knowledge to a novice. I mean, there's some of the life experience and the wisdom and what you've walked through, what you've experienced, what you've struggled with to be handed down for sure. But the key thing that I remember going into these two questions is that I have just as much to learn from them as they have to learn from me. There's a mutual exchange happening here, and I think that reciprocity is huge. And so you keep it simple. Looking at this passage, looking at this whatever we're looking at, what is it that God is speaking to you? Like, let's look at that. And then, what are you going to do about it? Right? And then if you are meeting like once or here and there, like then the next step is the next time you meet. If there is a next time, just send them or you don't text them. Hey, how did that go? There's like a follow-up and there's not in like an accountability, did you do this? But just the encouragement piece and the follow-up helps.
1: Okay. So sometimes I know from experience and maybe other folks do as well, uh, maybe you're hesitant about, you know, starting a discipling relationship because you don't know the, the back end of it? Where does it end? How long do you go? Or is this too much of a commitment, right? Mm-hmm. If you start something, does it, does it have to go on forever? So how do you know when to wrap it up? How do you approach mm-hmm.
0: that? Right. Well, it should not go on forever. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Like you're supposed to go and like learn and go teach someone else, right? Yeah. And I think that's kind of the level. Um, and like we talked about, you're not like super ready. I'm super confident to go like, yeah, I'll lead you and you and you, you know, you, you might not have that. But I think the sweetest thing for me when I knew, for, in one example at least, that it was time to move on was yeah. when the girl I was discipling came to me and said, I'm going to start meeting with this girl and, and I get to be someone's Emily. And just seeing that the girl she had come from, going from like this unsure, not very confident what it means to be a daughter of Christ, to like, shoot, she's walking out and wants to tell every flipping person she sees how right. much Jesus loves them. Okay. And that was when I was like, girl, I think you're ready. You know what mm. I mean? It was just, I feel like it happens kind of naturally. But then again, some people, maybe you set the, the six to eight weeks. Maybe it's a year. Maybe it's six months, and you just set that from the get-go and use that space and go. It can look different. It doesn't have to be one specific thing like it can look so different
1: yeah so what what you've experienced is more what organic mm-hmm. uh it, it it grew into something where it didn't
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: it, one of the things i think we struggle with being the passive aggressive kind of people that we typically are uh, is actually saying <laughs> what we think mm-hmm. uh you know I'm, I'm tired of meeting with you <laughs> uh i'm done with you now <laughs> i want to go on uh, that's okay yeah. to say. Maybe this is enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how you how else you say that. That sounds mm. kind of mean already, right? right?
0: It does. We sound just don't mean, do that Right. Well. Yeah.
1: So maybe uh, if you're more of an organic kind of person, where you it's you know shoot from the hip, whatever, with mm-hmm. your schedule, your time, uh, you go into that and you kind of say that's the way I'm at, or mm-hmm. that's the kind of person that I am. Yeah. So to meet a few times and talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. what you're saying is that's okay. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Uh, whether, wherever you're at, whatever place you are in right now, uh, could be the next step is, I just need somebody to talk about with whatever this concern or issue or question right. in my life is now. Yeah. That that's a part of discipleship. Mm-hmm. But maybe you're in a different place where you want to learn more or have something more structured. That's okay too.
0: Yeah. It's right. all, like, it, it could take on so many different forms. So All
1: right, so we are got to wrap this up here. Where are we at there? The end. The the call to action? Yep. Okay.
0: So where do I start, right? Simple as this. What questions do you have? What is something that you are struggling with? Is there an area that you want to grow? You know, asking, how do I know if the Bible's reliable? Is God good? Is he trustworthy? How do I forgive someone? Maybe someone brought you a question, a non-believer, that you had no idea how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't even know where you stand with Jesus. Just take a moment and think, okay, where am I at? Like, what is that one question? Maybe you have lots of questions. That's cool, too. What's that question? Find someone. Bring them your question. See if they're willing to meet once. (laughs) One time, right? No strings attached. No long-term commitment. Have the conversation once and then see where it goes from there. Maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe it's just that one time and you connect here and there to pray. I don't know. But just see where you're at and then do what's realistic. You know, I feel like we forget that part of get all scared and intimidated. That's just like big okay. burden schedule thing. So that's what I would say. Um, yeah, so find someone. And then I guess the last thing to say is, you know, you all have, I talked about the faces. I mean, you guys all have someone who walked with you in a season. And even looking back now, you're like, wait, that wasn't something I would have called discipleship. But that too is discipleship, you know. And I think, and I really truly believe that you could be that person for someone else. Every single one of us in this room can be that for someone else. Okay. So consider that.
1: And you have some people to suggest?
0: Yeah, oh, so look are. at that. Begin the conversation, right? So people in this room right there, there's their lovely contact information. Um, if you have a question, you want it together once, I encourage that strongly.
1: And there may be other people. These yes. are the people that you talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're willing to be bold enough to put their Mm -hmm. information up there. But there may be others. So if you would like to be considered as one of those kind of resource people, then you should let us know. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. All right. Thank you, Emily. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll close with some time of of worship this morning. Lord Jesus, uh, I am now, even now, thinking of the people that you have blessed my life with. Uh, those interactions, that some were informal and while others were more formal and organized, but regardless, all of them uh, were a blessing to help me at the time where I needed it, in a way that I needed it beyond what I could understand. Uh, and the, just the wonder of how you've put it all together, uh, I'm so grateful for, uh, Lord, uh Warm in our hearts, again, a response to you, a response to the grace that we have known and received from you, Lord, uh, to be that person for someone else. And uh, Lord, where there are questions or where there are struggles, uh, where there's confusion, uh, where there's a need, whatever it is that's going through our minds right now, uh, Lord, connect us with those people, maybe the people on the screen, maybe someone else. Uh, someone that you've put here right now for such a time as this, for the question, for the need, bring us together, bond us closer, create uh, a culture, Lord, in our church where it's okay uh, to ask the questions, to seek uh, more guidance, uh, and build us, Lord, strengthen us, equip us, prepare us, to to reach out and also to respond. Uh, Lord, build your church in that way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for more of our sermon series, we have two previous podcasts to check out, Finding Jesus in Ecclesiastes and Tomb Runners. For upcoming events, check out our website at mycityonahill.org. Bruce Bentley will be back next week to continue the series, Participate in Christ.